Oh, yes, welcome. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, can everyone hear me? Just wave at the back if you can hear me. Yeah, that's good, that's good, right. Uh, well, good morning, uh, I'm Paul, one of the leaders here at the church. Um, it's good to be here, it's good to, uh, to preach God's word, and I want to praise and thank God for helping me to do this. You know, uh, Sam uh, gave a word last night on our Saturday night youth, and the first thing he said is, listen, he said, don't look at me, listen to what God says. And that's what we as leaders, when we preach, we don't want to see us, we want to see Jesus and what he has to say to you. Um, it is good to come up here and um, we're going to be going through our vision and values over the next few weeks. Why would we do that? Well, you know, we, we started it off, I mean, last year uh, when we did our Elders Away, we, we, we said we wanted to get back to thinking what our vision and values are and for our church to be there. And that's why we're doing it. And, you know, and I'm beginning with gospel-centred, gospel-centred, um, so we're just going to pray first and then we're going to go into it and we're going to look at that. What does it mean for a church to be gospel-centred? But also, what does it mean for a people to be gospel-centred? You know, what's so good about here this morning is we've, we've got our normal church people here, which we love to see. And, you know, we, once you get older this morning, what it means to be gospel-centred. But we also have visitors here today. You'll be coming just for the, the odd time, maybe. But, you know, if you're a Christ, then you have to be gospel-centred as well. We want you to learn something today as well. So let's just... Pray and ask the Lord to help us within this. So Lord, we do thank you and praise you for your love for us. We thank you this morning, Lord, that we're, we're met here in your house with your people. And Lord, that we have your word to look at. And we just pray, Lord, that you speak today. Lord, show us what it truly means to be a gospel of people. Show us what it means, Lord, to be your people. And to have those lives that carry the aroma of Christ. So Lord, please go before me and help me. Lord, whatever is of me, take it away and let it be all of you. And the things that you've put on my mind, Lord, just bring those things to remembrance of me, the things that matter. And I pray, Lord, for each and every one that is here this morning, that you prepare their hearts for what you've set before us. And Lord, help us not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. So whatever comes out of this from you, Lord, Help us be truly blessed. So put these words into action in the lives and the church that we have. Because we ask it for your glory and in your name, Jesus. Amen. Right, gospel-centered. What does it mean? What does it mean? What is it all about? You know, I love the word gospel-centered. You know, when we look at our vision and values, I'm not too sure about this, but I think I was the one that had come up with this. I could be wrong, I could be right. It was a few years ago. Because I love gospel-centered because, you know, the reason that we're here this morning is because of the gospel. It's because of the gospel. It's because Jesus came into this world to save sinners like of us. And that's why we're here. And what has been so good about this morning, we've seen gospel. just being a joyful start to the day. I'm seeing Joanne up there, who's come back to Jesus only about a year or two ago, the joy on it is unbelievable. It's lovely to see in it what the gospel does. But you know, we want as a church to have this vision of value to be a gospel-centered church. And when we say gospel-centered, what do we mean? I'll tell you what we mean. Christ-centered. To be centered in Jesus Christ. 
And you know, in the reading that we had, this is what we're going to be looking at this morning from verses 14 to 17. We're going to look at what Paul is saying to the Corinthians. But you know, when he says this to the Corinthians, you know, he's not just speaking to them, you know. He's speaking to you and me this morning. And he's speaking to people who belong to Jesus. But if you're someone who doesn't belong to Jesus this morning, if you're at home or you're here, he's still speaking to you. And he's inviting you, like Jesus would, to come into the gospel-centered and to be saved today. But there's three things I want to look at today. The first one is this. A gospel-centered people are a thankful and joyful people. A gospel-centered people are a people that spread the aroma of Christ. And finally, a gospel-centered people are a people who give their glory to God. They're the three things I want us to look at. And, you know, I was so happy about the first one because I was a bit worried, is it the right one? But then, after seeing what Joe says, sorry, yeah, Joanne at the front, when he was talking about the book, you know, there's two things that she said there. She said, I'm so happy and thankful. She's rejoicing in Jesus. Because of that book, but it's not, because, not just because of that book, it's because she knows Jesus and she, she, she loves the Lord because she knows the Lord loves her. But just listen to what it says in verse 14. It says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma and knowledge of him every year. You know, last week when Peter did the talk and he, we were looking at the, the verse for the year that led us into this series, he started with this. Start as you mean to go on. And if you really want to start as a gospel-centered church or as a gospel-centered people in the lives that God has given us, the first thing that we should be is thanks be to God. We need to remember and understand what God has done for us. And I love this first part of verse 14 which says, but thanks be to God. Do you notice the first thing that Paul does? He gives the glory to God. He remembers and he reminds the people to be thankful to God. And he doesn't just stop there. He tells the reason why. He says, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal possession and uses to spread the aroma and knowledge of him everywhere. You know, the thing that, the word that really jumped out to me when I was looking at this was the word captive. Because, you know, this word captive it means, it can mean slave. It can mean belong. But what he's saying here is, thanks be to God, because you are captives of God now. You're a slave to God now. Now, that might hurt someone now, but let's just look into it a bit more. Also, it means you belong to God now. And, you know, for a gospel-centered people, it is always good to come back and remember what it means to be God's. What it means to be a captive of God. Because the first thing is this, when we look at it, that captive, what a wonderful thing it is to be God's. Because first of all, to be a captive of God, you must remember this. Before we could be captives of God, we were captives of sin. We were captives of this world. And even worse, we were captives of the devil. But thanks be to God this morning. Jesus came and rescued us. He took us out of that captivity. 
That truly was slavery into a capacity of freedom and of joy and of grace that we belong to Jesus now. Is that not a wonderful place to be this morning? Shouldn't we as gospel-centered people keep remembering what the Lord has done? From the captivity that we were to the captivity where we are now. And as we go into this new year, what a wonderful place to be. What an amazing place to be. When we make this new start, as we start as we mean to go on, it is important each and every day, thanks be to God for all that you have done for me. You have taken me from that life of sin. You have taken me from that slavery. And you have brought me into the freedom of God. That's wonderful captivity to be in. I tell you what, I am happy to be a slave of God today. Because this slavery, it's not like the slavery of sin. It's a slavery that leads to freedom. It's a slavery that brings joy. But you've got to be in it to know it. And maybe it's lovely to see Joe in it this morning. Because she's a, she came back to Christ not so long ago. And you can see that wonderful joy about her, can't you? But you know, that joy comes from one thing. She knows what the Lord has done. And she's thankful. And you know, Peter did say last week, if you want a mark of a Christian, of a Christian that's going on, there's one thing that happens. It's called thankfulness. And when we lose that thankfulness of God because we forgot what God has done through Jesus Christ, we lose the joy. We lose the joy. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives and Christ's triumphal possession and uses us to spread the aroma and pleasing it, the aroma of God. You know, get hold of this as well. Because we are God's now, not only has he took us away from the captive of sin, but you know what? He has took us from a life that was leading to nothing. He has took us from a life that was not a blessing to us or to anyone else. It was about selfishness. It was just despair. It was death. It was leading nowhere. But now we are told that those captives are led in the victory of Christ's possession. How good is that this morning to those who know God this morning? That God is using someone like us to be his people. And has given us a life of purpose now. You know, the many, many times I've seen people who give their testimonies. And they always say this about their life. You know, before Jesus, my life just went about. I just did those things. There was no meaning to it, really. But now I have a life that means something. Now I have a life with a purpose. But more importantly, that life with that purpose, it leads to eternal life that one day, one day, we will be with him. So now this year, as a church, but also in the very lives that we have, if we truly want to be gospel-centered people and a gospel-centered church, we need to remember and know what the Lord has done daily. And you know, God is a great God, you know. He doesn't leave us empty-handed. You know, that's why he gives us his word. And that's why as a church, as elders, we love each and every week to open God's word because the gospel comes out. 
It keeps reminding us and telling us how much God loves us and what has God done for us and wants to show us what the life is really all about. But not just there, you know, the Lord, you know, later on we're going to be coming to the table, we're going to be reminded what the Lord has done. I know what's so good about that. When the Lord gives us these things, they're not saying, well, they're there just to go through a religious thing. They're there for our good. So keep reminding us and showing us what the Lord has done. So when we leave this place, when we're spending time on his word, when we remember him through the bread and the wine, and when we come together, it's to show us what the Lord has done. So we get a refreshness of that thankfulness and that joyfulness that helps us to march on for the Lord. Here's a question for us this morning. Firstly, as a church, are we a thankful and joyful people? You know, the only way we can answer that is if someone walked through that door, what would they see? Would they see a people who knows that their God has rescued them from sin and give them eternal life and a life of purpose? But even more so, what about in the very life that we have? Because we're not always in church. We're not always in church. But what about in our workplaces, in our family homes, in the people that we meet? Do they see a person whose life says this? Thanks be to God. Because that's where the gospel centre starts, you know. When we remember Jesus, and we are thankful to Jesus, and we understand who Jesus really is. The Lord who came to save us from our sin and to give us a life eternal with an abundant life. But, you know, we really, really are that people. You know, it doesn't just stop there. Because that's where it begins. That's where you start as you mean to go on. But that should lead to the next point. Have people that spread the aroma of Christ. You know, and I really, really love this part. And I may upset some people here this morning, but I'm sorry. I only give what Jesus gives me. I'm here to serve the Lord. And you know, listen to what it says here. Who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal possession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we, for we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and to those who are perishing to the one we the aroma that brings death, to the other the aroma that brings life. The word of God, sorry, sorry, brings life. And then it says, and who is equal to such a task? You know, Paul explains to people here, he says, you know, thanks be to God for what he has done and what he's brought you into. But now there is fruit from that. Your lives now, if you're truly, truly gospel-centered, and truly know Jesus and I'm following him, you are carrying the aroma of Christ. You are spreading it where everywhere you go. And as a church and as people, this is what our lives should be. You know, it says there, who is equal to a task? You know, Paul isn't stupid, you know, when he says this. What he's saying is, you know, I can't do this. You know, in my own strength. I just cannot carry the aroma of Christ. But thanks be to God, because yet yeah, I am his captive, because I have been rescued from sin, and he's brought me into his goodness. Now I can, because he has enabled me to be that aroma for him. 
And do you know what it is? It's the very life that you have that God has given you in the place that he's placed you. Now, God plants his people in every little place where he wants them. And their job is this. We are to carry the aroma of Christ. But to carry it. But to do when you think about aroma of Christ, what it really means, it's like this sweet smell of saviour around the people around us. But our very lives, if we're truly, truly living this life, what it means is this. We become a picture of Jesus. We smell like him. We look like him. We talk like him. And to the one person, it brings life. But remember this. It doesn't just stay there, does it? To the other person, it brings death. And this is the point I really want to get across today. Of what it truly means to be a Roma of Christ. You know, to be that aroma. It's not easy. Because to be the aroma of Christ, sometimes you will lose friends. Because they don't like what you are and what you say and what you do. Because to them, it brings death. They don't like it. But to the other one, who has a heart for God, who God is working upon, they're coming to Jesus. They like what they say. They want what they say. They want it. You know, I'll put it this way. To really look and see what the Roman Christ is like, you need to look at the author and finish your faith, Jesus. And in John chapter 6, Jesus is going about his business. He is really living and showing people how great and good God is. Because he is the picture of the invisible God. But one day, you know, he's been feeding the 5,000. He's been looking after them. Because he's sorry for them. He wants to feed them. But these people keep coming back. But Jesus says, listen, I know why you're coming. You're just coming for the bread and the fish. He said, but the thing is, I've got something more special for you. You know, I want to give you something really, really special. And they say, well, what is it? Because we want to do the works of God. Well, Jesus says, well, this is it. You need to take me. You need to take me and accept me for who I am. But the problem is, the people, when they hear this, they don't like what he says. They don't like it. They do not like that aroma. And on John chapter 6, verses 60 to 67, 60 to 66, you know, they turn around. Jesus says to them, does it offend you by what I'm saying? And these people... It does, because they walk away from the greatest gift of all. And that's what the aroma of Christ does to some people. And let me say this this morning. For each and every one of us, especially within the church, in the ministries that we have, from the kids' work, to the elders, to the parents and tots, and each and every one of you, are you willing to be that aroma that some will walk away because if you are, look at the other side. Because it doesn't just finish there on that story. Jesus turns around to his disciples and says, Will you walk away? To which Peter turns around and says, Where will we go? You're the one with the words of life. You're the Holy One. 
And you know, what is so good? There are those who truly want that. And you notice this, to the ones that run away, the ones that are offended, do you notice? Jesus doesn't go running after them. He doesn't go chasing them. Because when you go chasing those who do not like the aroma of God, the aroma of Christ, do you know why you don't chase after them? Because they want you to become like them. But Jesus wants the best for people. He wants people to get saved. He wants people to know what it means to be his. And you know, we need to be a people who are willing to be that aroma. That we will lose some to win those who are truly for God. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to do that? But finally, you know, finally, Christ, uh, gospel-centered people in verse 17, listen to what it says here. Unlike so many who do not peddle the, the, sorry, the word of God for profit, on the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those who are sent from God. Now the title I've put for this is, um, let me just find it. <laughs> I've got it in the end, but I'll find it anyway. Is uh, a people, a people who give God the glory. You know, here's a big one for us this morning. Why are we here this morning? Why are we following Jesus? You know, for, Peter, for Paul, he says, unlike many who peddle the word, for, word of God for prophets on the country in Christ, we speak for God with sincerity of those who are sent. You know, Paul is in it for God. He's sincere. Everything about him, it's not about him. It's about Jesus. He just wants to see people get saved and know what he's got. That's all he wants. He doesn't see the work as his work. It's God's work. It's not about him. It's about Jesus and the lost. And, you know, God, people who are... Um, people who are, good, who are gospel-centered... It's not about them. It's about Jesus and the lost. They want to see people get saved. They want to see people where they're at. I wonder if that is us today, this morning. When we look at the life that we've got, when we look at the work that God has given us. You now, I've seen people who've been going on for Jesus. And you know what? They start off great. But as time goes on, their work becomes God's work becomes their work, not God's. It is a big, big danger. Now, I have seen people who they will just not let go. It's my work. And I've seen that work die. But gospel-centered people are in it for Jesus. They're in it for the people. They're not in it for themselves. They really aren't. But to finish off, you know, you can't speak about gospel-centered without speaking about Jesus Christ. And I can't speak without giving the gospel. I just can't do that. You know, and I don't know today as you sit there where you stand before God. But let me tell you this. Jesus loves you. We know that because we've just had Christmas. And we know that Jesus came from heaven into this world. And why did he do that? Because he loved you. And because he loved me. And you may be someone here sitting in the congregation this morning or sitting at home watching and you still may not know what it means to be loved by God. But let me tell you this. 
God loves you so much that he does not expect you to start doing things to accept that love. That's why he sent Jesus to come into this world, to live the life you couldn't live and to pay the price on the cross that you couldn't do, to just accept it for what it is. And if you're someone who's never, ever, ever done that, please come and speak to myself or Pete later on or anyone else you see at the front and we can explain that a bit better. Or come along next Sunday night and get involved in the Hope Explored and see what that hope really is. But please, please, please consider what the gospel is to you. Because God's word says this, for God so loved the world, take the world out, put your name in, that he gave his only son, that if you believe in him, you will be saved. There's no doubt in that, you will be saved. And for us as a church this year, let's remember this to finish off. Let us be a thankful and joyful people. Why? Because we remember what the Lord has done and remember what he's doing in our lives. Secondly, let us a people that carry the aroma of Christ. And let's just see the results that God gives. But finally, let us be a people who give the glory to God. We're not in it for ourselves. We're in it for Jesus and the place that he's put us by saving one mother and the people around us. Amen.